listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert Monk. Yes, we welcome you in to another episode of the Full 10 Yards Podcast. It's Tuesday, the 18th of December. This time next week, it'll be Christmas Day and we'll be all wrapping, unwrapping some presents. Uh, uh, we've got Richard and Lee with us today to go through the week 15 action. Oh my God, week 15 already, how bad is that? But guys, uh, what, what, Lee, we'll go with you first. Are you expecting to unwrap any NFL-themed presents in, on this time next week? No, like, like you just sort of made an error over, I think I'm going to be still wrapping my presents on Christmas morning, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll say is gift cards deliver on the day. Yeah, and there's no wrapping involved. A solid, a solid suggestion. So, uh, so lazy. That's like Jason Garrett preparing for the Indianapolis Colts. That is so lazy. I think you find it's called energy efficient. <laughs> energy efficient. <laughs> uh, glass, glass half full guy, Richard, are you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so welcome into the podcast, everyone. Uh, thank you all for joining us. I hope you all did well in your fantasy weekends. Obviously, semi-finals for most of you out there. Managed to get through to a couple of finals myself. We'll find out what how Lee and uh, and how Richard have been doing this season in terms of fantasy. Uh, but today's show is we're going to be recapping all of the week fifteen games. Uh, lots of games there. A few storylines. I, I thought the, um, the the games were quite underwhelming this week. I don't know about you you guys thought so. Maybe because there wasn't a lot of apart from the Chargers and Chiefs game. I think quite a lot of the games didn't really have that that much in a way of of late like, kind of lead changes. I suppose and you know going into the going into the week you had a couple of big games Indianapolis and Dallas kind of underwhelmed. I know you had the uh, the. Surprise there in LA, um, but when we get to all these games, but I don't know, Richard. We start with you. Did you did you find any of the games this week, or the the whole slate of games, being a bit underwhelming, or is it just me? I think it's probably the order. I mean, I think having the Chargers Chiefs game like right at the start of the week, <clears throat> you kind of went into it having high expectations that you know, oh, it's going to be an epic week. Um, and there were quite a few games where there was nothing really on the line, and I think. You have some teams that are just kind of trying to make the playoffs uh, as injury-free as they can. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, was, I mean, really disappointed with some of the games. I mean, the Saints versus Panthers, I mean, that was a waste of hours, wasn't it? Everyone should have just, uh, just gone home. Really, really selling the podcast while I was there, Rich. Thanks for that. We'll, we'll get with you as soon as we can. <laughs> yeah, we will no doubt get Lee. What, what was your take on your your main takeaway from the weekend's games? Well, yeah, like you say, I think I think like you both said, I think it peaked a bit too soon, didn't it? With the best game sort of beyond Thursday night, and then there was a few that sort of petered out into like who were foregone conclusions anyway to begin mm. with, and then they sort of went that way. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the most entertaining of weekends, but nonetheless. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think there's quite a, a, quite a few amount of, sort of points scored as well. Because if you take the, the high scoring teams, obviously the Chargers and the Chiefs were, were okay. But like, you know, in New England, Pittsburgh was a low scorer. Dallas, Indianapolis was a low scorer. Like say, New Orleans Saints and Carolina was a low scorer. So maybe it's just a case of there wasn't a lot of points scored. I mean, two teams had a goose egg for for crying out loud. So maybe it was yeah. maybe, maybe it was that. I, yeah, I mean that that Patriots um, Steelers game. I was I was pumped for it. You know, two scores early on. You're thinking, "Hello, we're in for another like, you know, sixty points to share across two teams. Mm. Who's going to win it?" And yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess we'll talk about it in a few minutes. But 
Yes, we we, we certainly will. Uh, Obviously, Tuesday podcast, so we have Jason Garrett Corner, of course, and we have some stinkers and stonkers. No Thursday night preview, as there are no no longer any Thursday night games to to go through as we are reaching the business end of the season. So, uh, Richard, uh, you can get Richard on Twitter at RichKingFF. He is a writer of Roto Baller. Uh, Rich, just want to maybe, I know you were on the podcast a couple of months ago where you were just starting out on Roto Baller. Just maybe you want to give the listeners and uh, just a bit of an update and kind of what, what you do, what you're writing and uh, how, how your fantasy season's gone as well. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think when I first came on, I think I literally just started writing for them. I've uh, been running for them for yeah the whole season now. It's been it's been a whirlwind to be honest. Um, the guys over there are brilliant, and they've really given me the opportunity to, you know, kind of look at projects that I want to look at and kind of do writing that I want to write about. So yeah, it's been it's been really fun, it's real really good experience. So my NFL consumption mainly consists around fantasy um, implications. So it's nice in a way to talk about football as a whole. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, it's been it's been great. Great fun. Um, in terms of my fancy season, it's been a bit mixed, to be honest. I'm in, I'm in some, um, I'm in some leagues with some guys from home, and uh, that didn't go too well. So I'm actually uh, out, of, out of twelve teams, I finished eleventh, um, which is awful because they obviously say, "Oh, I thought you were right about this. I thought you were an expert." <laughs> so it's pretty painful with every loss that I have, but at the same time. Uh, it's just a bit of fun, and that league's just all about not losing. So you know, it's it's all good. Yeah, I think I think the most excruciating thing about fantasy football is obviously that you have the twelve or thirteen weeks of regular season, which is kind of skill to get to the playoffs, and then the final three weeks is is essentially just luck because you just need your players to perform each and every week, and one 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 down week and, and you're gone. So um, yeah, but that's 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 kind of why we love fantasy football, I suppose. Um, and obviously, this season is no different from any other. Um, but Lee, I know I know we spoke last week about not having uh, not having the greatest of fantasy seasons. I know you said that your your playoffs started uh, this week. How did it go? Oh yeah, I've, I've knocked off the number one seed, so oh. yeah, I'm pretty happy. We're in. We're yeah, in. yeah. I, this is the only. I, I usually do like reasonably well. I'm not like digging myself up too much. Not going down too but um, yeah, in this league, I've, I've sort of scraped into the playoffs, and uh, this week I've knocked off the number one seed. Yeah. So yeah, well happy with that. Um, it, just going back to what you were saying a second ago, it is a bit of a war of attrition in the playoffs. Because I think I've lost a couple of players out of that team now. Um, Tyler Boyd, one of them. So for the next round, um, might not be such a good result, but you know we'll see. So sort of, uh, it's not about the draft, is it? With with fantasy, it's about who you find in the waiver wire and things like that. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think um, I I don't know who who I heard it from, but someone basically said that you you can't win your league in the draft, but you can lose it. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, really, this week has just been crazy from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, if you had... So one of my friends actually sent me a screenshot from uh, Scott Barrett. Yeah. And and he tweeted out that if you had Jameis Winston, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Adam Thielen, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Lamar Miller and Eric Ebron, you would be getting an average fantasy points per game of 140 points. Weeshed. Um If you played them in week 15, you got 29.3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- yeah. I was just about to say, for the whole season, everyone's obviously cheering on Todd Gurley um, up until week, like, I don't know, 12, 13 or 14. And then the last couple of weeks has been Derek Henry. They've kind of done done like a space jam with the basketball and swapped um, swapped talents. Yeah, so I actually, um, one of the articles I wrote recently for Rotoball was about Derek Henry. Um, and actually, I, 
I, I kind of called that he, he was going to have not his big performance against Jacksonville, but his league performance um, this week. And I think as well, if you've got him in your team, then just yeah, slot him in against the, the Redskins and you'll, you'll be well on your way. Mm. All right, yeah. Okay, so let's um, say we've pretty much done the whole rundown of all the games, haven't we? So we might as well just, we might as well just sign it off and do the quiz. <laughs> um, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's rewind all the way back to uh, Thursday Night Football. Lee, obviously your Chargers going into Arrowhead. Uh, one team's arrow is pointing up and one arrow's team is pointing down. And uh, luckily for us and our, anti- and our pre-season anti-post bets, the Chargers come away with a victory. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it couldn't have started worse, though, could it? No. Actually, on the first series, I was up late on Thursday night after uh, after uh, recording our podcast and a bit tired. Um, you know, Philip Rivers throws that interception and I was thinking it's going to be a long night. Um, so, yeah, it started, started as, as bad as it could get, but finished as good as it could get, really. You know, when it ended up being the two-point conversion from the man who owns the game, Mike Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and what falls Anthony Lynn showed... And just going for that two-point conversion, something that we've talked about obviously in the past in Chargers games, uh, with going for two-point conversions at the end, and it didn't pay off for them, but it just paid off for us, which was brilliant. Really beautiful end to the game for us. Um, but the odds were actually stacked in the Chargers' favour. I would say that we were actually second in the league um, in fourth-down conversion, converting at a rate of 87.5%. Uh, oh, ironically, second only to the Kansas City Chiefs, who convert at 90% rate, um, which is quite funny actually. I, I, I thought uh, it did come down to that. Really good decision. Keep keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Uh, try not go, not to go to overtime, and you know it only takes one long pass to Tyreek Kill. And just just on him and Travis Kelsey, I think the game plan was to contain those two uh, hanging there on on defense, and the defense played really well. And then Mike Williams just had a monster game. Yeah, had his two uh, touchdowns, one on the, one on the ground as well to make it three, and then obviously the two point conversion. Mm. Um, Flipping over to the other side, Patrick Mahomes is really good. Can't really speak out too much against the Chiefs no. and um, you know how and why they lost this because they played quite well. Mm. Made some wow throws. Uh, case in point was the one across the body to Demarcus Robinson early on for the first one. Philip Rivers even was shown you know on the telecast saying you know can't can't believe that he made that throw. He's a special talent. Everyone knows this. Obviously, it's not all lost for Kansas City. The destiny is still in their own hands. Yeah. And, and they need to you know beat beat Seattle and beat the Raiders and then they'll have the wild card weekend off. Mm. So yeah, you know, good, great game. Um, I really enjoyed it <laughs> for the most part. The first half uh, was a bit rough, um, but yeah, stuck, hung in there, which I don't think a lot of people did, or not not everyone anyway. And uh, yeah, was rewarded in the end. Yeah. Um, my question to you guys, actually, just um, just off the back of this game, is out of these two now, obviously the, the two teams with the best record in the AFC, who's got the best chance of winning the Super Bowl? Uh, uh, being in the Super Bowl, sorry, not winning it, being in there, being in the game. Yeah. Rich, Rich, what's your what's your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to go Chargers. I think that the, you know, lo- losing um, Hunt in the circumstances that they did, uh, I don't really talk about too much about that. But losing Hunt, who's just such a big key player for them, I think the the defense we all know is not good at all. So they're literally just putting all of the games now on the back of Patrick Mahomes. Now he has been pretty good um, this season, but. I mean, the charges look just more balanced. I mean, if, if you think they've had, they have Melvin Gordon out the last two weeks and they've still been able to be productive and still find a way to win games. Mike Williams looks good. Keenan Allen, I'm not, I haven't seen an injury report on him. I haven't really looked, but he, you know, he's, he's playing really well. Antonio Gates is doing what you need, just being that big, big body. And Philip Rivers isn't throwing all the boneheaded interceptions that he used to. So 
I I think I think the Chargers have got a really good shout, especially if you know Bosa can get really back into destructive form. Yeah, I certainly agree. I think, like I say, Melvin Gordon has, has been out of the team for the last couple of weeks and they've still managed to win at Pittsburgh and at Kansas City, which says a lot about the team. I think previous years that wouldn't be happening. Uh, they've got the momentum, they've, they're hot going into the playoffs. And teams like Kansas City, and we've seen it obviously with the Rams, we're getting, we'll get to them a bit later on, but it's, it's almost as if they've they've been hot for too long and they're starting to just fizzle out a little bit and there's, there's enough tape on them to kind of suss them out a little bit. The uh, Kareem Hunt... Loss is obviously a massive, massive blow to uh, to Kansas City and Damien. I don't care what anyone says. Damien Williams and Spencer Ware aren't going to do the same the same thing uh, as Kareem Hunt does. And I know Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson aren't going to do the same as as Melvin Gordon, but maybe the Chargers just are just a bit more adaptable and, and they're more more used to to not having to rely on the run game to, to open up their passing uh, their passing lanes as well so yeah it was it was a great uh, was a great win there for the Chargers it's a real definition of of smash and grab Mike Williams's two point conversion at the end there elevated him in standard scoring to the highest scoring player of the week including quarterbacks with 29.5 points no no uh, no player in standard scoring fantasy football scored over 30 points this week that's mad. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> That's mad. Weird. Uh, also, another stat: no quarterback had, uh, for, I think, for the first time in, in God knows how long, uh, first first week since 2017, uh, 2010, week seventeen, where no QB is thrown for at least three touchdowns. Yeah, like we've just been saying, it's one of those down weeks, isn't yeah. it? You know, about the scoring and just the, you know, that stat there just points to it again. Yeah. Yeah, okay, let's move on to Saturday Night Football. We had two games, obviously, on Saturday. Houston at New York. Houston coming away with a fairly comfortable victory here, but the big news, obviously, Houston jumping into the two-seed after the Patriots in Pittsburgh, which we will get to. Uh, Houston, amazing season for them, really. Starting 0-3. Uh, to get to where they are now, 10-4 and in the number two seed, it just seemed a long time ago when they were they, they were 0-3 and... Yeah, I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with at home uh, in January, especially if they have a, f- a first round bye as well. They've they've got all the components. They're balanced, like the Chargers. You know, they're a balanced team. They don't rely necessarily. They've got the defense to to step up when they need to, and then they've got playmakers like uh, Nuke Hopkins, who had 170 yards and two touchdowns, which is his highest fantasy return of the season. On the defense, you've got JJ Watt, who had two sacks, two tackles for a loss, one forced fumble, and six tackles. And then you've got the wild card of Sean Watson. Uh, he was 22 of 28 for 294 yards and two touchdowns, 134.2 pass rating. So, you know, that's that's as, as level as it gets uh, as an NFL team, as balanced as, as you like. Um, and Houston only given up uh, less than 24 points for 10 straight now. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a harder team than Houston Texans, Lee. Yeah, no, they've done really well, haven't they? I think both of us didn't have them in our sort of reckoning of what, you know, teams that were going to go to the postseason and maybe go far. But they've, like you say, they've, they've shown great balance. Uh, they've got JJ Watt back from the last couple of years of, of on and off injuries, uh, missed the whole of last season, and yeah, they, they've got that two sort of headed sword with the pass rushers, obviously with Jadavian Clowney, and then they've got an offense that can put points and just enough as well. Because like I say, if they're holding people to under twenty four points again, it gives anyone a chance really, mm. especially where you know they've got a good young quarterback and then a top wide receiver and a serviceable running game. Mm. Yeah, they've got all the components, and yeah, they're going to be dangerous, especially at home. And we did kind of talk about them. We touched on them a few weeks ago about moving to the two seed, didn't we? Because they yeah. have this really favourable schedule. Yeah, yeah. And if they get hot at the right time, they're even going to be even more dangerous. 
Yeah, yeah, it's funny saying getting hot at the right time, but you know, winning 10, uh, 10 and one over, over the last eleven games, but it hasn't felt like they've, they've they've been hot until maybe like last couple of weeks or so. So maybe I know they've been hot all season essentially, um, but maybe they're just coming to the ball at the right time. They've just um, simmered for a bit longer, maybe. Uh, but on the other side of the ball, Sam Darnold uh, looked good. Actually, looked really good in this game. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any. Uh, any opinions on that? But Jets kept on uh, kept the scoreboard ticking over, which can be hard to do against this Houston uh, this Houston defense. I know they're at home, and again, it was a Saturday night, so slightly shorter week than usual for Houston. But uh, yeah, I thought I thought the Jets played okay. Um, Robbie Anderson had a few nice touches, and one of the uh, one of the touchdowns to Robbie Anderson was, was pretty nice there from Donald. But Donald probably looked the best uh, Richard than he has done all season. Yeah, I mean, Donald looks looks pretty good. I mean it. What I will say is about the the, the Texans is Lamar Miller left the game quite early, mm-hmm. um, and that just meant that Houston weren't really able to dominate time of possession. That's true. Um, which which I really think affected the flow of the game, um, and that's you know I think I, th- I think if this if this game's played again and Lamar Miller's in in the team for the whole game, then I think. I think Darnold struggles some more because they're having to put the ball, uh, you know, having to put it on his shoulders mm. some more. Um, and I just think so. I know he's got, um, he's obviously got Anderson and uh, Herndon, but outside of that, he's really devoid of talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, the thing is, you can only play what's in front of you, and Darnold did well with what was in front of him. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think if you're a Jets fan, then you know you should feel pretty good about having Darnold as your quarterback going forwards yeah that's a good point there about Lamar Miller obviously I think he had eight yards and then kind of left the game um Alfred Blue he's a big he's a big tall fellow Alfred Blue he's um yeah surprised me a little bit how tall he was not that I was looking at him for too long but um ho-hum <laughs> yeah that's, that's my take from the game Alfred Blue is quite tall um I might have a, I might go and have a quick google search of how tall he is um well whilst I'm doing that Richard do you want to, do you want to talk about the Cleveland Browns going into Denver and upsetting the Broncos yeah so I mean it's an upset, and it's not because yeah. Cleveland have been playing really well um, as of late. And actually, Greg Williams has more wins since he's taken over the head coaching role than Hugh Jackson did in his time while he was there. He has no shock. No, <laughs> well, it's it's not really, but um, I think you know, still needs to be said. I, I, when I yeah. found out, I was kind of like, "Wow, that's kind of crazy in a way." Um, Nick Chubb still. I mean, he he's been a phenomenal talent um, since he since he's kind of taken the starting job. Uh, I think I think the team kind of realised what they had with Carlos Hyde, and that's obviously why they allowed him to move to the Jags. That um, you know, they I think they saw that Chubb was ready to take the role and step forward with uh, Mayfield. And yeah, I mean, I don't really know too too much what to say because uh, if you watched if you watched the game, then. You saw a lot of offensive production for the Browns running game and not a lot for the Broncos. And I think that was ultimately what what led to the result. I mean, Case Keenum was kind of struggling all game through two interceptions. Um, didn't you know, he just doesn't really have if you, if you look at him, he looks like he just doesn't know what to do. <laughs> He's got rookie right uh, rookie wide receivers and He's, you know, Philip Lindsay was stuffed, and he's he's normally good for just a magic play or two every every week. And he, yeah, Case Keenum just doesn't look like the guy that was in Minnesota that everyone was raving about last year. 
Yeah, funny. Case Keenum's a funny one. It almost he stands in the pocket for literally two seconds, and it feels like he was, he's always got to escape the pocket and do something. Which obviously his internal clock seems to be uh, has, has gone a bit awry. But yeah, it was a, was a weird one. But yeah, like you say, it was a surprise, but it wasn't a surprise considering Denver losing last week as well, and the, the wheels coming off when it seemed to set up also perfectly for them. Uh, was Cleveland playing hard and obviously playing for next year as well, playing for the places. Remains to be seen who gets the head coaching job there. Uh, but yeah, Cleveland still technically could uh, qualify for the playoffs, but there's a hell of a lot that needs to happen for that to happen. Uh, Lee, any takeaways from this one? Or should we move on to uh, Arizona? So, just a quick word. I, I didn't mean to sound if I, if I came across a little bit obnoxious when I said it was, it's not a shot. I just think that Cleveland are good and there's not enough people. I'm not saying you don't realise this, Richard. I'm just saying that not enough people sort of think that. I think the, the old jokes uh, sort of tired and still yeah. repeated a little bit about the Browns. and. Yeah. I think people need to sort of actually watch them and, and realise that they're actually quite a good team now. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean they've, they've had the talent in, in there like all season. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. they they, they do do brownsy things. So I don't know if you saw that field goal last week. Where, yeah. Where, yeah, they still do like brownsy things as you call. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I said this one one of my friends. Um, he supports the Browns, mm. and I said to him at the start of the season, like all those times where uh, one of our friends he supports the Bengals. I said all those times when he took the mick out of you for being a Browns fan, he's been a Bengals fan. I said all of that's about to change. You guys have like pr- proper legitimate talent now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've had, they've had talent in the building. It's just been bad coaching for the past year and a bit. Mm. Yeah. They're, since they've got a transcendent sort of personality at quarterback now, mm. and then an actual competent NFL coach, that, you know, running the ship, and a, a pretty good offensive coordinator by looks of things in, in Freddie Kitchens. And then look what happens. Like you say, Greg Williams has won more games than Hugh Jackson did in over a season. It's it's not a shock to me, and it, like I said, I didn't mean to come across the wrong way, but it's not a shock to me because it is they're just so damn talented on both yeah, sides yeah. of the ball. Oh yeah, they're they're a playoff team next year, no question. Yeah, hundred percent. And they like like I said to you, Tim, uh, earlier on in the season, if they'd have had this coaching staff throughout the season with the way that Pittsburgh started the season, they'd have won the NFC North. The, yeah, the, yeah uh, the AFC North, sorry. <laughs> They've been so talented, they won both conferences. Yeah, they transferred conference. <laughs> and won both North conferences. Yeah. <laughs> okay, talking of... Well, these two teams aren't going to win anything this season. Arizona, Atlanta, Lee. Arizona went up early and then just got absolutely walloped. Yeah, took, took care of business. Uh, it was a bit of a dead rubber, but yeah, just took care of business and yeah, just put them away. Just as you you know would would want you, want your team to do if it was your team. Uh, you don't hang around with a, a bad team like the Falcons. Uh, sorry, the Cardinals, sorry. Um, yeah, I find it quite fitting now that the Cardinals hold the number one pick because I feel like they're quite easily the worst team in the league. Uh, I think Steve Wilkes is going to be one done in Arizona. And they've just gone down without a fight in a lot of games from what I've seen. Of them. And I'm not going to profess to have watched a, a great deal of Cardinals games because it's just not been worth it. Yeah. Um, but when you're taking your, you know, your quarterback out in the fourth just to protect him because you're 30 points down, says a lot, doesn't it, really? Uh, there's going to be new head coach, new GM, um, because I think Steve Kime's been linked with the Raiders job, the mm, yeah. elementary role that's going to be there alongside Gruden as a puppet GM. I don't know, maybe we'll have a Steve Kime corner for bad GM decisions next year, because you know, we have the puppet corner for Jason Garrett, I don't know. Mm. Um, but I'd like to see the cards getting a defensive-minded head coach who will be able to build around Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker, and Nick Bosa now, and then concentrate and run the ball with David Johnson. I think they need to be tough, physical, and if nothing else, to show some pride and some fight um, in Arizona. I think that's what they, they need. 
Either Steve, Steve Wilkes hasn't worked at all, I don't think. No. Uh, Arizona, it was a meaningless win, but I guess it would have felt good. Um, one guy who would have felt particularly good would have been Tevin Coleman. After you and I, Tim, we spent Thursday night writing his obituary yeah. uh, and ran for 145 yards. Um, so he's obviously clearly motivated. He obviously listens to the podcast. Yeah, shout out, Tevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it surprised me that they went 7-0 up in this. But Josh Rosen looked awful. Um I think he had a couple of interceptions again and just didn't get a lot of yardage. And yeah, Lancer just, like I say, did, took care of business. Um, don't really need to spend too much time on this one because these two teams aren't troubling uh, anyone at the end of the season. Another two teams that relates to Detroit uh, head over to Buffalo and both teams are now 5-9 and nine after Buffalo take this one 14-13. Josh Allen uh, did it again with his legs. Uh, he's the quarterback four on the week uh, in the low-scoring week, obviously, for uh, QBs. Like I say, no QB, uh, three for at least three touchdowns this week. Uh, Bills had no running backs at one point with uh, Marcus Murphy going down and got, you know, the... The depth, the depth was wearing thin, even on the uh, on the on the Bills' offense there. Um, I, I think McCoy was just out for this week. I think he should be okay back and, and back next week. Um, same as Chris Ivory and Marcus Murphy as well. Uh, and here's a stat for you: only one drive in this game lasted over five minutes, and that's the Bills' first one, which lasted seven seven minutes and forty one, and they still punted on that one. So that just kind of shows you all you need to know on this game. Uh, the, on the other side of the ball, Kenny Golladay had a career high uh, in receiving yards with one hundred and forty six. So not a uh, a couple of points there for fantasy fantasy guys who obviously would have been starting him in your semi-finals. Uh, but yeah, not really too much to, to talk about on this one. Low scoring, two, two teams that haven't got many wins on the season. So uh, unless you two have something to say on the game, uh, we'll probably move on. Nah, move on. <laughs> one really, 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 really quick thing about Josh Allen in this game. Um, obviously, he threw 204 yards, uh, but only through 50%. I think this is what we're going to get with him for the foreseeable future. Uh, sort of average to below average c- completion percentage, but still moving the chains and getting things done with his legs. Yeah, but when you're friends to Robert Co- Robert Foster and as I, I uh, as I McKenzie, yeah, you're not going to be getting a lot of a lot of a lot of points, are you? It says it says yeah. a lot. It says a lot to them when they shipped out Kevin Benjamin years ago. Well, well I think we've got to wait until next season when he yeah, does yeah. have weapons and see if this still persists. But I think. He's still not that accurate. I don't think no. you can blame completely completely on the weapons. Oh no, no, no! I, I was just, I was just. Being a twat, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, actually, the last couple of years, you th- you think about the wide receivers that have been there, you know, Sammy Watkins, um, Chris Hogan, um, the other ones escaped my mind, but they've they've uh, Robert Woods, they've all they've all, got, all gone on and done something. So that might be just a uh, lurgy over there in Buffalo where wide receivers aren't aren't allowed to play well or something. It's a cold, mm, cold, cold yeah. mm. <laughs> Charles Clay's done all right though when he's when he's been on the field, but there we go. Um, yeah. yeah it, Picking picking Buffalo Bills wide receivers isn't uh, conducive to to fancy decent fantasy teams, so um, we we shall we shall move on. Uh, Actually, cool. while we're talking about fantasy options, I just want to quickly say everyone's going to be raving about Robert Foster this week, saying that he's a brilliant ad for you, your fantasy team. He's really not. He's he's going to be going again. He's a perimeter wide receiver as opposed to a slot, and that means that. Uh, Gilmore is likely to be covering him this week. So if you're thinking about playing him in DFS or in your in, or in your championship week, please don't. don't. You, you you'll be disappointed. There you go. Yeah, of course. Uh, Buffalo travel uh, at home. I think they're at home to New England, aren't they? Next week, or they they travelling? I can't remember. But they're at the Pats. At the Pats. So, so there you go. yeah, I expect them to get a bit of an ass whooping. 
Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, talking of ass weapons, uh, Chicago put kind of put one on the Green Bay Packers. Although it was close to, uh, you know, Green, um, Aaron Rodgers pulled back 11-point deficit at, some, at one point in this stage, but Chicago taking the reins of the NFC North, uh, the kings of the North, if you will, uh, beating the Green Bay Packers. And, yeah, looking good for the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Packers fan, so this just kind of sucks for me to talk about. <laughs> um Aaron Rodgers just he you know he hasn't looked right all year. I mean he, he got rolled up on in that in the Bears game you know the first game of the season against the Bears, and yeah it's, this season's just just gone from awful to worse. Um, you know we lost we've lost players through injury. We've lost players you know just to poor form. Um, I just I, as a Packers fan I can't wait for the season to be over. Mm. <laughs> the Bears have looked really good all, all season. Um, I think that. You know, Khalil Mack is really, he's going to devastate that division for the next couple of years. Mitch, Mitch Biskey's really taking a step forward um, in this offense. Um, there's just, a, there's, the Bears team is actually just, it's not got any like real star star player uh, on offense, but they're all just pretty good at what they do. Yeah. Um, and that just makes them really effective. Yeah. yeah and that, yeah. And that, that's perfect for someone like Matt Nagy who, does all the, the Kyle Shanahan stuff and just gets made the most out of everyone. Um, but yeah, on, on the Green Bay side, yeah, I say it must be a bit weird seeing kind of two teams above you in, in the division. Um, and they've got to be a bit careful, Green Bay, on, on where they kind of go from here because they're kind of obviously locked into to Aaron Rodgers in terms of cap hits. So they've got to be quite careful and kind of where they go because they, if they get it wrong, they could be doing what Man- Manchester United are doing in, in soccer ball over here, obviously, with, uh, you know, they, they could be in the doldrums for for a number of years until maybe Aaron Rodgers goes. Um, but, yeah, Devontae Adams, just wanted to have a quick point on him. He's the only player in fantasy this year that has 15-plus points in every game. Um, he's top 20 PPR wide receiver in 13 of the 14 games, and he's had either eight and or 80 yards and a touchdown in every game this season. So, um, yeah, despite the, the poor form from the Packers, Devontae Adams has pulled through there for fantasy owners. Yeah, I mean he he he's been playing really well all season. He's the, he's the one glimmering light that I think I've had as a fan mm. all season. Um, he's yeah, he's definitely number one option. It just seems like it doesn't matter what teams do if they double team him or anything like that. He just he just seems to be able to get the ball in his hands. Yeah. And I actually think a part of that is is to do with that chemistry of Rogers. I mean, if you look at some of the throws and catches, you know you'll see Adams will start breaking up field and then he'll break off to the sideline. And before he's even made that break, Rogers has already thrown the ball. I mean, that chemistry is just ridiculous. So there's no way you can really defend that. And I think that's why you're ultimately seeing the offense struggle a bit because he doesn't, you know, Randall Cobb's been missing a lot of time through injury. Mm. And you don't, he doesn't yet have that rapport with um, Valis Scantlin and Sam Brown. Mm. Um, and I think once that, once that comes, then I think we'll improve. One thing to remember with the Packers, though, is we do have that extra first round pick this year. Mm. That's big. That's really big. Mm. Yeah, and obviously, Lee, we, we spoke about last week about Devontae Adams and where kind of he fits in with all the, the tiers of the wide receivers, didn't we? Yeah, I did. I was just, I was just, I was going to come on to that. So I was going to ask Rich the question that sort of we went through. Um, so, Rich, where do you, the question was, where do you think Devontae Adams sits in the hierarchy of wide receivers in the league? Um, I, I think he's right up there. He's definitely, certainly in the conversation, if not in that, in that kind of top tier. Um, he's, yeah, he, he he's just supremely talented. So I'm, I would say he's probably up there with the likes of, you know, Julio, Odell Beckham, Ooh. Antonio Brown. Um, I, I think he's certainly in that conversation. I think. Wow, we're talking like tier one then. 
Yeah, I, I honestly think he's that good. Like, wow. I, I genuinely do. I mean, if you're looking at it this year, if you're a, a defensive coordinator, you just know you have to take Adams out of the game, and then Packers have got nothing on on mm. you know in, in attack, and no no team's really been able to manage it. Mm. Like that that that's how good he is. Mm. Well, I I said to I said to Lee last week, Richard, keen to get your thoughts. I said about. Um, you know, over the years, it's been quite well documented on how Aaron Rodgers elevates the levels of the players, like tight ends and and like Donald Driver and James Jones, that kind of stuff. They've they've kind of left Aaron Rodgers and gone on to do nothing. How how much do you think that plays into uh, the level of Devontae Adams? Do you think he can can do what he does in Green Bay elsewhere? I think it really depends on the. Uh, I mean, I, I I do think a lot of a lot of it is probably down to Aaron Rodgers and that chemistry that he's got. Yeah, yeah. Because as I was saying before, like he'll break, you know, in the same way as Jordy Nelson did. I mean, you're seeing Jordy Nelson now start being productive in Oakland. Um, but, you know, it, it did take some time to get that chemistry with Derek Carr. And I think, I think Adams would be able to do, you know, he, he'd be able to reach a certain level of production yeah. in a, in a different offense. It, I mean, it really just depends on what quarterback he had. And, you know, if, if you put him in, if you put him in a team with a, half decent quarterback then I still think he's probably you know certainly towards the, the top end of, of the league um, if you put him on a struggling team then yeah I, th- I think it would kind of be masked a little bit by the struggles of the quarterback but yeah I think Aaron Rodgers is is a part of it but not a major part mm. yeah interesting okay uh, Lee anything, anything else from you? no that's all um, obviously I think um, Rich sort of putting him into a sort of higher echelon than, than both of we did, but that's, I guess he watches him more than we do. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we move on, uh, I have to answer the question, so I'm going to give you guys a chance to answer. How tall is Alfred Blue? <laughs> uh, he's six foot two. Oh, did you look it up? I looked it up. You're such like a you're such a cheat. You're such a. I was, was, was going to say, five. I was going to say six, six three, yeah. just as a guess, because you were saying tall. Yeah. I was thinking, well, he can't be taller than an offensive lineman, so he can't be taller than six six. So <laughs> I was thinking, anyway, he's probably going to be like six three, six four. It was kind of what I was going to guess. So, uh, yeah, that's quite tall yeah. for a running back. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I obviously do this as we do this every week, where I start to Google stuff if you look it up. So it's just that mode. I look before you even mentioned it, so I kind of ruined your question. Sorry. I should have, I should have stuck that in the uh, quiz for Richard a bit later on. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stick it in now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we might, we'll give you a half point for that. Um, okay, let's move on then, Lee. Uh, Oakland at Cincinnati. Don't spend too long on this one. No, definitely not. Um, this is pretty like the previous game that I spoke about. Uh, it's another win that would have felt good ultimately, but it just felt empty as well. Uh, pretty easily for the Bengals. Pretty easily dealt with the Raiders. Um, but with Tyler Boyd going down uh, the year, as I mentioned earlier it's a pretty hollow feeling um, so yeah I don't know what I'm going to do with my uh, game next week I've got to fill that gap and you know the waiver wire etc is looking pretty fair don't put Robert Foster uh, in answers on, yeah yeah exactly yeah, answers on a postcard I've already got one um, but yeah speaking of uh, my fantasy I've got Joe Mixon as well I think going forward he's going to be a problem um, for everyone moving forward um, yeah once they get a competent HC next year because I think Man um, Marvin Lewis should at least be on his way, but then again, we said that four months ago. And once they've got AJ Green, Boyd, Mixon, that's a group that you can build around, I would say. Um, shame they'll start Dalton. Yeah. Um, and, Hugh yeah, ja- and Hugh Jackson. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> he, I'm, he's, I'm, he's a problem I'm, for Joe Mixon. Frying pan and fire springs to mind when you say that, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, just to finish it off, ultimately, both of these teams have got a lot of work to do before September. Um, after they, you know, going to spend the 
Uh, they're in the basement of their respective divisions, so yeah, uh, eyes on for sort of the next steps for both of these. Yeah, okay, don't need to say too much more on that. So let's move over to first goose egg of the week uh, by D- Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys uh, over in Indianapolis. Was it really strange game, this one? And I know when you look on a box score, it be, uh, looks like an ass whooping for Dallas. But if you go back and watch the game, uh, Dallas's first couple of drives uh, were all over, 40, all over five minutes and all over 45 yards, but it just happened to ha- end in block field goals, uh, fumbling on five-yard lines and, and all the rest of it. And uh, I think Jason Garrett was one of five on fourth downs. I think he's gone a bit too far over the other side and gone to too much Doug Pedersen. Uh, been too, watching too much of him recently. But um, yeah, Jason Garrett back to his best on this one, so I'll get to that a bit later on in the show. Uh, he makes a welcome return to his favourite corner in the world. Uh, but Dallas and New York Giants, the NFC East, two teams there. First time uh, since week 12 in 2006 where two teams in the same division have had a shutout. Uh, but like I say, Dallas is a bit, un- bit unfortunate in this one. It's the first time they've been shut out in 15 years. But yeah, um, I, I think it was just one of those where it was just a, a, one of those funny games. Yeah, it just wasn't their day. You kind of like wake up and then you walk into a door and just kind of nothing's really going to go right. Um, shouldn't have really been shut out. Um, but then Jason Garrett just goes and does some 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 funny little things. But the key to this game was the Indianapolis offensive line. Um, Kelly and, and Quentin Nelson absolutely demolished that that defensive uh, front for for Dallas and actually neutralised uh, the the linebackers there, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. If you watch uh, some of the plays there; you, the, the, those two offensive linemen getting out in the in the run plays and you know stepping up to the second level immediately and just taking out those linebackers, which allowed uh, Marlon Mack to run right at 27 carries, 139 yards. And two touchdowns and I think another reception there for 10 yards uh, as well but that, that was the key to the game D- Dallas actually dominated that first half and just got a bit unlucky and then the Indianapolis offensive line took over in the second half and the Indianapolis dominated uh, and then Dallas would just keep, kept on going in for fourth downs and had predictable play, uh, play calling another another play I'd like to bring to everyone's attention was the the um, the fullback Carlo Ali, he should have he should have had a, a catch into the end zone, but dropped. Uh, he had too much time to think about it, dropped it, and that that would have been a touchdown as well. So, yeah, I know on a, I know on the face of it, Dallas had a goose egg, but I think it was just one of those where you'd, you know bit of a funny mismatch there on the offensive line, and just one of those just put your hands up and just say look didn't didn't happen. Um, still still happy to to keep on rolling, but yeah, it did it did seem like Jason Garrett and and all, and Rod Marinelli and all the rest of them just. Sat back for the whole week and twiddled their thumbs. Uh, didn't really look like they prepared much at all. Um, like I say, just didn't kind of work for them. It was quite some. Some of the plays were quite predictable with Zeke. Um, but yeah, not not too phased. I think it's just, say just kind of get get over it and, uh, and move on to next week. We we win next week against Tampa Bay. We're in the postseason, so uh, not not too disconcert. Uh, not too concerned about this one. Hmm. Yeah, Braden Smith's not bad either for that interior offensive line of the Colts as well. Yeah. I think that's yeah. going to be pretty dominating. Um, trio in that line um, protecting Andrew Luck and then obviously paving the way for their running backs yeah. and they, they, we, we sort of we've mentioned it a couple of times here and there about Le'Veon Bell and you know in the Apples Colts they're definitely a, a, a potential landing spot for them so that could be a, a really explosive group moving forward for next year yeah, very very impressive indeed. Even even as a, a biased Dallas fan, there was a was it was a really was was quite a joy to watch actually watching the, those that offensive line get out to the second level and just take out those linebackers because they've been dominant this season. So it's quite interesting to see them kind of have pies put in their faces. Um, yeah, talking of pies in faces, the, be the people that watched this Washington versus Jacksonville game. Uh, who had this one? It was me. Oh no, sorry, no, not Washington Jacksonville. We're going to go Miami Miami Minnesota, Richard. Yeah, I mean, this was a real 
back to form kind of the performance. I mean, the Vikings lost their OC in the week and it just seemed like they decided that the best way of winning the game was to feed Dalvin Cook, uh, who finished, <laughs> a, you know, he had 136 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. I mean, well, I've watched this game and um, yeah, I think it was as probably as one-sided as the score maybe suggests. Uh, Ryan Tannehill didn't look happy at all. Every single snap, he just seemed as though he would look at his first read and then immediately realise that he was going to get absolutely smashed. Mm. Um, he he just didn't seem comfortable at all, and the Vikings were just constantly just bringing him uh, pressures. I think they ended up with, I want to say it was eight sacks, but it might have even been more think, than that. I think that. it was nine. Nine, okay, yeah, yeah. so nine, yeah. So with that type of pressure, a quarterback like Tannehill with the guys around him is not going to get much done. And I think that's ultimately what, what we saw. We saw the Dolphins not able to keep a lot of time, um, you know, their offense on the field and the Vikings just really showed up when, um, when they were given the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I think I heard murmurs earlier on on Sunday that they were just going to pummel uh, Dalvin Cook with the ball. Uh, I liked your, your. I know he probably it was unintentional, but I liked your cook and feed uh, little pun there. That was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I... I'll claim it. That was accidental. <laughs> but I'll claim it. Um, but yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. I say it was one of those where you just expected that result. I. I I really like Minnesota. I thought I said on the last week's podcast that Miami were going to get an absolute whipping, and that's what they did. But somehow they are still seven and seven and still in the playoff race there in the AFC. Minnesota taking that one, forty-one to seventeen in the end. And talking of seventeen, that's how many points the Tennessee Titans scored away in MetLife Stadium, shutting out the Giants. Bit of bad weather in this one, but Tennessee Titans Lee nullifying Saquon Barkley. Not not a thing that many teams can say this season. It did, yeah. Can I just go, just be a pain, just really back up to the Dolphins game, just to give a nice stat that I found. Go for it. So this this year, obviously through 15 weeks, the Dolphins are seven and seven. Through the last th- 38 games, the Dolphins are 19 and 19. Through the last 46 games, the Dolphins are 23 and 23. Through the last 84 games, the Dolphins are 42 and 42. Ooh. And through the last 132 games, and I'm not got quick maths today, so I don't know how many seasons that is. But the Dolphins are 66 and 66. Yeah, very nice. So Sounds we, like they want Jeff Fisher. The, the, <laughs> the average, I would say. And there's nothing worse in the NFL than being average. You know, you can you can be good or you can be bad and get a high draft pick. There's nothing worse than just being average the whole time. Mm. Maybe that's why they're going through this period of just being mediocre. And it's just a perpetual cycle. Yeah, maybe. I think Washington had that as well at some point this season. I remember doing that on a podcast a couple of weeks back. They had a very symmetrical record. But yeah, they're they're an awful team. Um, I don't really know what happens with them at the end of the season. But they are, I think they're just going to go through the vicious cycle of mediocrity. Uh, I think I think they're kind of not helped by the fact that the AFC East is, is awful as well because they continually beat the Bills and the, uh, and the Jets every season. They usually get a token win at home against the Patriots as well. So they're always getting mid-first-round mid draft picks, aren't they? So they're never really improving uh, the, as much as they need to. And until they have a really bad season, uh, I don't think the, the, trend will, the trend will change. But yeah, Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase seem to be stuck in a bit of a rut there in Miami. Yeah, they seem to be mediocre, which fits them perfectly, as we've just said. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and talking to mediocre, the new at Giants League. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, yeah, moving forward. You made me do two segues. How dare you? The, yeah, 
the uh, the Giants were shut out. The Titans pulled out the celebration for remember the Titans. Oh, that's brilliant. And they uh, they announced they're sticking with Eli Manning for 2019. So, however good or bad your weekend was, it probably wasn't as bad as the Giants or their fans. Um, <laughs> the thought of Eli for another year in New York just smacks of just unwavering loyalty to the guy that's brought them to Lombardi's. Yep. Although you know. If they're thinking sort of long term, the Giants are going to sort of sting it up for next year uh, because they probably don't fancy any of the QBs on offer this spring. So they're willing to stick it out until the next draft after that, where the QBs are pretty good. It's pretty smart business. So, you know, we might have to get a laugh at the Giants and then sort of get all our laughs in as we can because they might be pretty decent after after that because their offense has got a lot of talent. Uh, so you need to sort out the other side of the ball. So, yeah, big, big fan of that, to be honest. Uh, Short term loss for long term gain. Don't mind that at all. Yeah. Uh, for Tennessee, just looking over to the side of the ball, Derek Henry's done enough over the last couple of weeks to ensure recency bias will mean that there's another edition of the Derek Henry hype train going into the 2019 season. <laughs> Everyone will watch these two games as evidence, especially if the Titans end up making the postseason. They should end up playing the Pats again. That was the game last year where Corey Davis had two TDs. They gave him a springboard into a decent year, so actually it might be good. You never know. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I'm not buying. A, I'm not buying a ticket for the Derek Henry hype train. I've bought tickets for that misquoted before. Um, so just off the back of this game, just want to mention and ask you guys: uh, Do you think Pat Sherman will be around next year, and will the Giants be good? Either way, uh, Rich, do you want to go? Go first. I think he'll be around. Uh, you know, it's his first season in town, so I, I think. He, he's shown enough for me on offense that I would kind of keep him around. I mean, he's obviously very, you know, riding on the coattails of Barkley, but you know, if it, I, I would give him a, if, if I'm the Giants, I give him another season. I mean, otherwise you just end up going into this kind of constant churn of coaches. And that is just horrible for a franchise. No one knows where they stand. So I'd keep, I'd keep him for another season at least, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think what, what's been fortunate for, for, for him not to be in a bit more of a hot seat is the fact that Saquon Barkley's not needed uh, an offensive line to do what he's done. He's kind of just done it all and made made players miss tackles and you know yards after catch and all that kind of stuff. Because um, obviously they it, a lot of it was, you know, would they sign Bradley Chubb or Quentin Nelson, that kind of stuff. But because there was a lot of ridicule on the, the Barkley pick, it's, it's kind of helped that he's exploded and likely to be offensive rookie of the year. Because uh, if he wasn't and if he, if he, if he was getting stuffed and you know, putting up modest yardage from week to week, I think the situation might be slightly different because um, essentially it's his decision to, to draft Barkley and, and Gettleman and, and all the rest of it there. So I think it's, it's fortunate that Barkley's done as well as he did. And he was always going to because the, the talent that the guy, the guy has. But I think if, if he would have struggled, maybe we'd be t- talking in a slightly different tone. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you both. I think he'll still be around. I think the trap that he could fall into is he, he sticks around for this year uh, you know, because or not because they stick with Eli, they still stink it up again, and then they get rid of Eli, Gettleman, and Irma, then have a high draft pick, get a new quarterback, and everything starts afresh. Mm. That's, a, that's a trap that I think he may fall into, but I do, I do think he'll be around next year as well. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, just before we move on, Derek Henry last two weeks, like you say, 18 avoided tackles, uh, 7.44 yards after contact, 408 yards and six touchdowns. So, like I say, in fantasy, if you had uh, Derek Henry, you're probably winning some consolation cups there in fantasy football because he didn't help you get to the championship brackets. Um, moving on, finally, to Washington at Jacksonville. 
Um, not really too much to say on this one, although Washington did record their 600th regular season win in franchise history, only the fifth team to do so. And the first team since the 2015 Texans to win seven plus games in a season where they've had four or more starting quarterbacks. So another interesting stat for you there. Um, obviously, the Texans had the uh, was it Savage, Osweiler, and all the rest of them there in back in 2015. Oh, they were the, they were the good days, weren't they? Um, <laughs> uh, Dustin Hopkins with the uh, game-winning field goal as time expired. Uh, Leonard Fournette was a bit of a funny one. Had one touch in the second half, uh, standing there on the sidelines with his arms folded like a distant relative at a wedding that he didn't want to be at. Um, but fancy defenses were good in this one. Uh, Jacksonville have pretty much just jacked it in now for. For the uh, for the rest of the season, they don't care. Uh, I thought I figured they may may play a bit to the home crowd because they the home crowd because they like a bit of Duval over there. But uh, listen to these for some QB stats. Uh, only 200 passing yards combined between Cody Kessler and Josh uh, Josh Johnson, uh, and they actually combined for 15 rushes uh, and 117 rush yards between them. So, um, yeah. We have a weird one this one uh, but is it again Washington coming away with a win uh, an unlikely win maybe uh, for some but now 7-7 and that are actually obviously still live in the playoff race yeah kind of crazy isn't it um, I've not got any much to say on this one because I'm going to mention this one a bit later on in another segment oh like it like it like <laughs> so yeah, the only thing I'll say is um, I what, what I find would be quite intriguing is Obviously, Jacksonville are quarterback away, I think, from being like halfway decent. Yeah, or not even halfway decent, like being able to really make a run, uh, being consistent in the playoffs. And if you look at another AFC team that we'll move on to soon, the Ravens, they've obviously got Jackson, who's doing really well, and they've got Flacco, who's getting older. Now, what would you guys think about Flacco in Jacksonville? Well, yeah, he's on he's on the trade block, isn't he? Apparently, um, at the end of the season, Ravens saying he'll be allowed to go to the a team of his choice. So yeah, it could happen. Mm. And I think we did. I pose this question to you, Tim, quite recently about Jacksonville quarterback next year, yeah. kind of think about maybe a bridge, and then getting into the twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that about twenty twenty draft? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's something. Flacco's like obviously another option that's come to the table recently. Uh, they've sort of installed Lamar as the permanent quarterback. So yeah, no, I think it's definitely viable. Um, Jacksonville. It kind of depends on the salary cap. I don't know who specifically is expiring and who they've got. Obviously, they've got quite a lot of big contracts on that that team already. Yeah, I think going into next season, I think Jacksonville are twenty three million over the cap, and I think the problem is with with Joe Flacco. Um, he's, he's, he's quite a lot of dead cap space to the Baltimore Ravens. I know they're trying to trade him, but no one in their right mind is going to trade uh, for Joe Flacco and that salary. So I think it all depends on what Joe Flacco is willing to take, uh, whether or not he gives it the Charlie Big Balls and say, look, I've won a, I've won a Super Bowl and uh, this and the other, I'm worth at least X amount of money, uh, when realistically, you know, he should be, you know, it comes down to whether he wants to play or not. If he, if he wants to play, he's not going to be uh, taking, he shouldn't be taking a lot of money. Uh, it'd just be interesting to see if what Baltimore do with his contract, whether or not they change it up a little bit and give him kind of the cash as a bonus and bring his cap down so that they can trade him. But if, if all the other teams that need a quarterback for a year are clever, they'll just let them do something with Flacco and and let him drop to waivers or to like to free agency or something and kind of have a fight there because he's not I don't think he'll 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 command a lot of money uh, but I don't think Baltimore are kind of in a position where they can trade him although he is on the trading block I think they're just trying to put feelers out to to anyone stupid enough to to trade him. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, let's not let's not go too far ahead of ourselves though. Let's still remember that Joe Flacco's still not that good. <laughs> no, no, I know, no, I know. Yeah. 
you know, like, you know, let's not say that Jacksonville's not going to make the Super Bowl and then Joe Flacco can fall back. Yeah, he is is the master of pass interference. Uh, But whilst we're talking about Baltimore, Richard, uh, Tampa Bay went to M&T Bank Stadium uh, on Sunday and and lost to the Baltimore Ravens, who keep up the pressure on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I I think the thing with the Ravens is they've they've obviously changed the entire way that they've run that offence now. It's completely changed with the shift from Flacco. I mean, you have Lamar Jackson, who had 18 carries for 95 yards. Now that, that that's essentially at this point you've got to look at him almost as a running back that just passes the ball sometimes. <laughs> um, I mean that that's 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 the real pain. Baltimore have a really good off um, defense, and they are able to absolutely grind the clock. Yeah. So unless you can get on the field and get some quick points, they they're just going to grind you down until they win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I heard a stat the other day saying that uh, I think Lamar Jackson's had over 15 carries uh, in like four or, or five of his games already this season, whereas Michael Vick never had one game ever where he had over 15 carries. So I thought that was quite interesting because obviously the comparisons to Michael Vick uh, have, have been there for everyone to see uh, from everyone waxing lyrical about him. But yeah, it was quite interesting to know that, that Michael Vick never... Uh, never run for more than 15, 15 carries in, in a game, but yeah, the more the more that Lamar Jackson runs, the more chance he's going to get injured. So again, like we said on previous episodes of of the podcast, he's just got to watch that a little bit because he's going to take hits. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I guess um, yeah, the only time Michael Vick took more than fifteen carries was on Madden, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, not really saying not too much, really much to to talk about on that one. Baltimore getting the win there, eight and eight and six now. I say they just behind on the coattails of uh, Pittsburgh City's big game on Saturday night football. Uh, Baltimore char- and the Chargers go at it, uh, yeah. which will be a good one to preview on Thursday's podcast. Let's move over to NFC West battle. Lee Seattle t- uh, taking the loss there to in in Santa Clara, San Francisco, leaving the uh, number one draft pick spot. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Richard Sherman getting revenge in the Richard Sherman revenge game. Yeah. Uh, this is a it's a feisty game actually. Point blitz throughout um, all deciding overtime as well. So it's quite a good one. Yeah, I watched this uh, from wire to wire. Which, uh, I would say I was going to do. I was quite looking forward to this one. Uh, highlights reach for Chris Carter on the ground, Doug Baldwin in the air. Nice to see Doug Baldwin kind of come back and sort of steal back the limelight a little bit from from Ty Lockett um, a little bit because uh, he's been sort of deposed as the wide receiver one in Seattle. Yeah. Um, on the other side, Jeff. Wilson Jr. was uh, overshadowing Matt Brady a lot of it, and Garrett Selleck was out doing George Kittle. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was kind of like a, a battle of the sort of deposed or the number two um, players in this game, I thought. Uh, Kyle Shanahan used Kittle really nicely as a decoy mm. a lot of the game. Yeah. Uh, it just opened up holes for Garrett Selleck and Dante Pettis. Um, and Nick Mullen had a few layups, quite a lot, quite a lot of wide open looks. And he played quite well, I would say. Um, in this game, and you know, I think Shanahan's echoed those statements and saying even the Beckham's back now, Mullins kind of deserves to stay in there, which is obviously good for him and maybe puts Beckham on the trading block again, which is something that I sort of mentioned previously throughout the season. Um, on the other side, well, Wilson wasn't bad, and um, just San Francisco just yeah, didn't let the game get out of hand and just sort of eat it out in the end, I'd say. Mm. Uh, just kind of a grind, grind out, gritty win against the rival, I would say. It was a nice game. Um, San Francisco is still looking. Uh, sorry, Seattle. Sorry, still looking good for the fifth spot in the NFC. 
Um, all they've got to do is win one game. Um, hopefully they'll beat the Chiefs next Monday. And if not, then they'll beat the Cardinals in Week 17. So winning either should be enough. So nothing to worry about for the Seahawks. No. Um, a kind of bad loss, uh, sorry, bad win from the Niners in the fact that they've gone from one to four now in the draft order. Yeah, I mean, Nick Mullins is an interesting one. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get traded in the off-season as well. Kyle Shanahan doing his le- his best to make him look like a Ferrari uh, when he's, in fact, probably a Ford Mondeo. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know people don't want to take up Joe Flacco's big salary or um, you know, Tyrod Taylor or, or all the other Blake Bortles or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised to see Nick Mullins go for a fairly cheap, you know, maybe a fourth or fifth-round pick. Um, so watch your space. Uh, on that one, that's kind of one, one may, maybe takeaway for me on in, in that game. Anything from you, Richard, in this one? Um, just that 49ers, what are you doing by winning that game? You just <laughs> yeah, you just kind of ruined your future by yeah. by winning. That was somewhat stupid. Mm. Um, I don't talking about uh, Nick Mullins moving. I, I I don't think he I don't think he would get traded. Um, he's just on. He's just too cheap. Yeah. For forty nine ers to keep, nah, that's the thing. If he was if he was on a decent contract, then he might get traded. But I'm just looking at his um, cap number on over the cap for next year, and it is five hundred seventy thousand. Nice. So, <laughs> what um, if you if you on the team there? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at. Um, Could you have for, a look at some method as well? Because obviously they're not going to keep both, probably. Yeah. So Bethard's um, seven hundred eighty five. So I mean, to be honest, you could probably you, you can, you'll keep them both for less than you're paying Garrett Garrett Selleck. <laughs> so why would you not keep? I if I'm the 49ers, I'm going to keep them unless I get an absolutely knockout offer. Mm. Yeah. I I was thinking more of a, a a sort of third party coming in, and if they need a quarterback, need a bridge quarterback for another year before they get to the a good draft of quarterback mm. the year after that. I think he's a good target. I think he's a good target. <laughs> From their point of view, rather than the 49ers wanting to get rid of them, I'm thinking of a someone coming in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, watch your space on this one. I suppose it's just be interesting to see how that one plays out. But yeah, it was just uh, something that was circling around in my mind. Uh, Sunday night football? No, it wasn't. Uh, New England at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh, like I said on the podcast, Lee. Pittsburgh coming away with a win. Um, yeah, did. Exercising the demons there of of, of of years past. Tom Brady. I mean, he looked every year, every one, every single year of those forty-one years old uh, on 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 Sunday night. He he looked old and gronk. I, that anaesthetic, I think, was is still in his legs. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> from the Miami Miracle, because they were they were awful, the Patriots. Um, but a bit of a strange game, I say. Maybe underwhelmed a little bit due to due to the scoreline. I say when Chris Hogan was uh, running in untouched on on that long bomb from Brady, it looked like it was gonna, we were going to be in for a classic. But uh, kind of all day, died down from there. But Jalen Samuels had a decent day um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Pittsburgh get, getting a, getting a big win there because obviously uh, Baltimore breathing down their necks. Um, but going a long way to getting themselves in the in the playoffs because if they had lost it, lost this one, they would have even been out of the season altogether. Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, we're both leaving it to each other there. Um, yeah, no, hundred um, percent. It's all the exercise of demons, as you say. Um, kind of puts paid to me hoping that the Chargers are going to get Baltimore in the in the wild card round. I think we'll be going back to Heinz Field after this one. Mm. Yeah, essentially, and obviously New England now number three seed. Uh, I, I think I, I also heard a stat today that New England have never made a Super Bowl where they haven't had the bye. So, yeah, fair weather, yeah. fair weather team. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, obviously, uh, but also uh, 
anyone following our social media at Full 10 Yards will see that uh, Kieran Patterson has, has written a little article on the end, on end of the Tom Brady era, um, which is obviously not quite here yet. But like I say, on Sunday, he looked every every day of that 41 years old. Uh, maybe that avocado diet's not, not quite working as well as it, as it used to. Um, but yeah, he uh, yeah, didn't, he did not look good in, in this one. And New England struggled uh, in this one to get anything going. But yeah, Pittsburgh coming away, needed the win. Uh, gives them a lot of confidence going to the, uh, going to the Saints next week. Uh, with a little less less pressure on them now. And there's a big win for Mike Tomlin and the boys. Richard, anything from you in this one? Um, no, I mean, I was just a bit disappointed by it, to be honest. I mean, we had two, two early scores and I thought, oh, I'm, def- I'm in for a game here. Uh, and then it just kind of fell flat after that. Um I think Tom Brady is is looking a bit old. Uh, I think that he's having to rely on... It it used to be that Tom Brady would elevate his wide receiver. It seems like he's looking for the wide receivers to elevate him Mm -hmm. now. Um, Julian Edelman, you know, same old, same old. Chris Hogan, I think, he flashes up out of nowhere. I mean, on that play, the Steelers, I I think he was, according to Next Gen Stats, the closest player was something like... 20 yards away from him, which is the largest separation has been all season on a touchdown. <laughs> so it's just the Patriots struggle on the road. And I think that I don't want to be Buffalo next week because they are going to, it's the Pats. So they're just going to be back in Gillette stadium and they're going to hand out a whooping. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly will do. Um, just one one highlight from this game was the, the special teams. Um, I think it was a punt or something, and Rex Burkhead and another guy kind of scooped it up whilst it was in the air in the end zone, saving a touchback and and got it on the one yard line. So that, that's worth a, a little watch for those of you that haven't uh, haven't seen that. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it was very good indeed. Uh, Antonio Brown is the second fastest to eleven thousand receiving yards in NFL history, only behind Calvin Johnson, who did it in two games fewer, one hundred twenty nine games there. For Antonio Brown and Tom Brady has joined Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Brett Favre as the only players with 70,000 passing yards in NFL history so a couple of stats there for you out of that game let's move on to Sunday Night Football this time Philadelphia at the LA Rams Richard the shock result here in LA I was shocked I was I went to bed and I kind of woke up after and I was like what what in the what happened yeah um, I think I I actually think that the issue that you're seeing with the Rams is Cooper Cup was such a big part of their offense. He was just really good at doing what he did. And the depth of target on Brandon Cooks as a result could be a lot longer. He could get a lot further downfield than he is now. And I think that's kind of limiting what they're able to do. Um, teams are still struggling to, you know, get in Todd Gurley. He's, I mean, the, the guy's just epic, right? Uh, what more can you say with that? Um, I think that the Eagles themselves, you have to give credit to them. They, they're they coming up against a great offense. And while they gave up a lot of points, they were able to shut them down at crucial times. So with Nick Foles under center, I think you're going to get the hype again after last season, you know, coming in for Wentz and every, everyone getting excited about him. I think you're going to see that same thing. Um, I think that, Outside of this game, I don't really know what to do with the Eagles. I don't know whether to feel like they're going to be building on this or if they're just kind of a flash because they didn't want the Rams to you know, run away with the NFC. I, I don't really know how to feel about it, but yeah. I think the Rams can 
they just need to sort themselves out on defense, I think, and get some stops, and I think they'll be okay. Mm. Yeah, some big games. Some big games next week. Philadelphia host the Texans. I think uh, Washington and Tennessee also do battle, and then obviously week seventeen, you have a couple of uh, divisional battles. So it's quite a lot of. Uh, a lot of teams in in amongst the fight there for the wildcard positions all playing each other, so um, that will obviously um, all all play out as it as it will. But yeah, I was I was shocked to see uh, Philadelphia Philadelphia win this one. I thought the Rams at home against uh, Nick Foles, but the the the, 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 the two lines for Philadelphia played well in this one. I think that's a bit underrated. Uh, but the Eagles uh, seven and three when they win the time of possession battle and zero and four when they've lost it. So just goes to show you that if you have the ball. Uh, you are you are likely to 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 win the game, but um, yeah, nothing nothing really else for me on this one. Philadelphia improved to seven and seven, and Los Angeles Rams pretty much out the running now uh, for the number one seed because the Saints Lee won in Monday Night Football in Carolina. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, and when you wake up in the morning, you see a twelve nine scoreline. You kind of think, oh, I've solved field goals. That's the kind of thing that springs to mind. But this one had not a lot of points, but quite a lot of drama. Most had, of the drama centred around red zone turnovers. It had a pick two. It had a pick yeah, two. Yeah, you, you, you've taken that, that from me there straight away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eli Apple uh, took away a touchdown in the end zone as well. Uh, Dante Jackson, I'd say, run that pick two back after they failed a two-point attempt. Tommy D. Lewis fumbled through the end zone. I just was about to score. Uh, so, yeah, really wild stuff. And then, obviously, there was a DJ Moore fumble that was costly too, but that was in the middle of the field. Yeah. So it's kind of whoever could hold on to the ball and was going to win because defenses are on top a lot throughout this. Hmm. Um, only Alvin Kamara could score a quote unquote sort of normal touchdown um, because the Panthers score was scored by Christy McCaffrey, uh, yeah. well, thrown by Christy McCaffrey, sorry, yeah. on a 50 yard trick play on fourth and one. So, yeah, quite an odd game in terms of its scoring this one. Yeah. Uh, McCaffrey finishing for over 50 yards in rushing, receiving, and passing. Mm. Um, and the only player to do so, so I hear, I wasn't around to see him play, but uh, since Paul Payton. And mm. um, so yeah, weird, weird game, very entertaining game though from what I from what I've seen of this one. And mm. um, so much so that they're going to do it all again in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. Um, last last thing um, I wanted to mention this morning, I saw um, after Christy McCaffrey posted this 50-50-50 stat line that Christy McCaffrey is the best player in the league and would trade multiple picks, and any team would do that if they could. I disagree personally quite heavily with quite a few aspects of that. Um, but that's the statement that I got. I just wanted to see your thought, both of you, on that statement. Um, Rich? I'll go for it. I, I love him. To make it more concise, is that McCaffrey is the best player in the league and any team would trade multiple picks to get him if they could. So I don't know if he's the best player in the league. He's certainly you know, one of the better players in the league um to, to me it really depends i mean he, he's he's really young still so in terms of multiple picks i mean what what are we talking here multiple first rounders or that, that i don't know that's what they said they said multiple picks and anyone would do that i didn't really i didn't really take on i didn't really want to get into it because i disagree fairly okay. heavily. so but, uh, so but yeah me, maybe if it's if it's multiple first round picks then no, I can't see any team doing that. But if it's multiple picks, like, you know, a first and a fourth or something like that, I, I could understand that, definitely. You know, I, I think the guy's supremely talented. I mean, coming to this season, everyone's kind of like, oh, I'm not sure if he can really carry a workload. He's absolutely shown that he can. He's hugely involved in passing and, and rushing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd put him in that top, 
that top tier of running backs of like, you know, Gurley. I'm going to include Bell because he's still talented. He just hasn't played. Um, you know, uh, David Johnson in terms of just pure talent. Um, but he's probably, he's probably in that tier just, just behind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to put it another way, would do you think teams would give up multiple um, picks for Melvin Gordon? No, I, well, I, I'll, I'll step in. I think I think the whole thing about, that surrounds this is the running back position, as we've seen with Le'Veon Bell's absence this season, the running back position can be, is, is quite replaceable. So I don't really see teams giving up to a couple of first-round picks for, for any running back. I don't care if it's LaDainian Tomlinson um, or, or Christian McCaffrey or Kenneth Dixon, to be quite honest. But, um, yeah, because, because the running back can be played by so many different types of players and it's all about team composition, I, I, that's why I would say no. But Christian McCaffrey, who you, Richard, before we started recording, said you'd have his babies because you loved him. So <laughs> I'm actually surprised you gave the answer the, the answer you did. But yeah, certainly I, I agree that because the running back position um, changes so much from year to year and loads of different types of, of players can, can do it. You know, it's not like a, an offensive lineman or a quarterback and... Um, you know, you have to be of a certain stature or a certain work ethic and that kind of stuff. And the running back position is so so replaceable. I can't I can't see anyone ever giving up two first round picks unless it's Jason Garrett for someone and making another stupid move. But yeah, that, 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 that's my answer for for any running back. I don't care if it's if it's Le'Veon Bell or like I say, Kevin, Kenneth Dixon. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't think like you said that anyone would give up even a first and a, another pick for you know a later round pick for any. Any running back because we've seen multiple times just this season that any sort of special running back number one running back can be replaced by one two or you know a, a host of other people on that team using different ways um i don't think he's anywhere near to be the best player in the league that's aaron donald and i would say to sum him up i think he's a special receiver at his position he's an above average running back as a as a, as a runner and you know, he's not even close to top five at that position, I don't think. I think he's a special player in PPR, fantasy, good running back, but, he's, yeah, he's not in that top tier of running backs for me. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's pretty much uh, any, any Anything else from anyone for week 15? Last orders, last orders. <laughs> No. Okay, Richard. How about the? Uh, how about we get the quiz on the go and, t- and test your NFL knowledge? Okay, I've been pretty worried about this to be honest, but yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, so here we go. The last week's score was five, and the top score for the week, I think, is tied first, is is eight. So there are the parameters that you have to maybe try and uh, try and beat. Uh, would you like uh, question set A or question set B? A. He's going for A. Okay, uh, let's go. Who? Uh, question one. Who is the commissioner of the NFL? Roger Goodell. Super Bowl ten would be represented by which Roman numeral? X. What number does Odell Beckham Jr. wear? 13. Which team plays at FedEx Field? Uh, Washington. Which offensive, li- uh, which offensive lineman touches the ball in every snap? Uh, Centre. Um, who coaches the Carolina Panthers? Uh, Riverboat Ron. Riverboat Ron. Um, which player did the LA Chargers take in the first round of the 2018 draft? Uh, Nick Bosa. No, Joe Bosa. 
Um, which team stadium has a pirate ship in it? Uh, it's Forest Lamp and it's uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I'm changing my mind like 50,000 times. <laughs> which player has the nickname Honey Badger? Uh, Tyron Matthew. Um, how many touchdown passes does current record record holder Peyton Manning have within 25? Um, in, in, in his career? Yes. 251. I don't know. And finally, um, from a kickoff, a touchback means the offense would start from which yardage line? 25. Okay. So not too. I feel like I actually did all right with that. I was was, was really nervous coming into this. I was like, I'm aiming for five. (laughs) They they were okay. Well done, mate. Okay, so let's go through it. Um, A couple of easy ones there to start with. Uh, Roger Goodell is, of course, the um, belittled commissioner of the NFL. Uh, Love him or or hate him. Super Bowl 10 is indeed Super Bowl X. Uh, Number 13 is the number that Odell Beckham... Junior wears when he's on the pitch. Uh, Washington Redskins do play at FedEx Field. Uh, the centre is the offensive lineman that touches the ball in every snap. Yeah, Riverboat Ron, as you say, is the Carolina Panthers head coach, and maybe not for not for for much longer. Uh, Dobin James was the player that the Chargers took in the first round of the 2018 draft. Oh. I think you had a bit of a bit of a brain fart there. I think you went to Nick, uh, Nick Bosa's not even been in the draft. I know. I, I was like Bosa, and then I was like it's Nick Bosa because that's all I've been hearing recently. And I'm like, no, not Nick Bosa. Other Bosa. Um, yeah, Pirate Ship is, of course, Tampa Bay, as they are the Buccaneers. Uh, Tyron Matthew is the Honey Badger. Um, touchdown passes for Peyton Manning is 539, so way a bit out on that one. Not even close. I just tried <laughs> to think of a number. <laughs> um, and the 25-yard line is, of course, this year where the... Uh, and I think it was last year as well where you would start if you had a touchback on a kickoff. So I'm glad to say, uh, Richard, that you've joined, joined um, Andrew and... No, he's not. It's who, who's, who's at the top? Uh, it's, um, what's his name? Adam. Adam's at the top of the leaderboard. So Adam. yeah, you've joined Adam there uh, at the top of the leaderboard. So you must be must be pleased with that. I was I, look, I was just wanting five. I just <laughs> didn't want to be bottom. So I was I was going with that. Yeah, that's what that, that's what the people say when they when a, when there's a fumble. You don't want to be bottom of the pile. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. So uh, that, that's the quiz. Week 15 all wrapped up. Uh, so just uh, before we get out of here, Jason Garrett Corner and Stinkers and Stonkers left to do. So let's get back to the main part of the podcast. So let's start off with Stinkers and Stonkers from week 15. Lee, do you want to start us off with your stonker? Yeah, my stonker. Um, so <laughs> tried really hard not to be a homer in this one. Um, but the stonkers just the charge us in general. Um, a win on the road in officially the loudest stadium in the NFL in a national televised game against a team that you haven't beaten in nine attempts without the centrepiece of the offence, down 14 in the fourth and leading for a grand total of four seconds in the whole game. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty good win. Special road win uh, in a season of special road wins after winning in Seattle and in Pittsburgh before this. Uh, just got to keep doing it throughout the playoffs now, um, wondering how costly that will be, that loss in, against the Broncos will be. Um yeah, you know, so once this uh, once this game against Baltimore's done, no matter what the result, I'm a Seahawks fan after that for a little while. Mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, my strong card, I've gone for for Derek Henry. I, I said the stats earlier in the show. I uh, just think he's he's just bald for the last couple of weeks. So for, for a guy that probably a lot of people have been hating on this season and probably last season as well from a fantasy perspective, uh, and, you know, the guy's huge. How, how he's not gotten... Uh, some, some more production due to his, his stature is, is beyond me. But um, yeah, I, I had a bit with someone at the start of the season, uh, Dion Lewis versus uh, Derek Henry in, in terms of fantasy points. And I, I've been cruising with Dion Lewis all season. Uh, and then Derek Henry goes and does that. So yeah, I'm not, not too pleased about that. So I'm going to have to pay pay that bet up. Um, but um, for Stinkers Lee, who you got? So I've got, um, I've got the 49ers. I've not gone for an individual award. I've gone for a team award this week. Um, so yeah, quite strange that you would give the 49ers a divisional, you know, a win and then give them this award against the rival. Then you would give them the stinker of the week. Yeah, maybe. But it's week 16 in the regular season. And as a draft guy, I'm already thinking about, you know, what's going to go down in the spring and how teams are going to get better. And by winning on Sunday, the Niners gifted the Cardinals Nick Bosa. Um, so they better hope that Mike McGlinchey keeps improving because he's going to have to block him for the next decade. Mm. Um, so yeah, the Bosa was exactly what the Niners needed as well. After investing heavily in the D-line for the past three years, um, he would have sort of topped that off and sort of tipped them on the edge, especially once they get everyone back, um, you know, from injury that they've had this season. Obviously, everyone's sort of hot hit uh, for this season, and it's obviously been crumbled with so many injuries. Um, so they could rescue the situation by trading down for a King's Ransom, perhaps if someone comes along and wants to buy. Mm. But yeah, I just thought it was really bad. As we, we touched on it earlier, it's quite a, a silly thing to do, go out and win. Yeah, NFC West, they always play hard. They don't like to lose NFC West games over there. Yeah, it's a rivalry as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, some fans wouldn't have liked to lose the Seahawks on that walk. But yeah. long term, you know, once this feeling wears off that you've beaten them, it's going to feel pretty bad, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's that's, uh, that's right. I, I think I saw for a PFF profile. Um, they they rank Mike McGlinch as one of the best uh, offensive linemen of the year so, to date. So, um, yeah, he's, 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 he's been a decent draft pick. Um, he's been good, but obviously they've just they've just gifted a divisional rival, uh, uh, you know, an elite pass rusher for yeah. the next decade. So yeah, that yeah. hope keeps that form up and is able to block him. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, my stinker. I've just gone for the quarterback position. Um, again, a couple of stats we said just throughout the podcast, but like Jared Goff, that interception, that, that second interception was uh, was quite funny. That's an Eli, Eli Manning esque uh, interception where you know the botched snap uh, tries to just throw the ball away and then start just just doing some weird things with it and it ends up in the hands of uh, I can't remember who the Philadelphia defender was but Josh Rosen he's been he's been a bit awful last couple of weeks as well he's not had a great season let's be honest I know he's a rookie but um, yeah quite a lot of quarterbacks didn't do didn't do that great this week uh, especially for fantasy football as well so and I say when you when you've got fantasy football fantasy players uh, in different positions scoring more than, than the quarterback position uh, you tend to think that quarterback position had a bad week and they and they did so uh, and all, all topped off by no no callback having three three or more touchdown passes. So they're my stinker. That's my stinker. Rich, have you got any any players that you wanna you wanna mention from from week fifteen? You stole mine with Derek Henry. To be <laughs> honest, um, I'll go quick stinker and say Adrian Peterson. Can we just say he's done now? Because I think you look at him, he just looks old now. Mm. Uh, was it was it week last week or the week before where he broke off a ninety yard run? Yeah. Still didn't finish that game with a hundred yards. Yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was two weeks ago. I think. Two weeks ago, so mm. let's just let's just put a pin in Adrian Peterson. Remember him for what he was, and just let him mm. disappear with grace. He will not die. He should. <laughs> him and him and him and Frank him and Frank Gore. Although I think he's done for the season now, so be interesting to see if he comes back next season. Yeah. Okay. Before we get out of here, of course, it's uh, time to visit everyone's favourite corner, the Jason Garrett corner. 
All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a muppet. It's fourth and one, don't do it, just clap your hands. Okay, a lot of clapping in this game by hip the man the man himself and I'm just going to I'm going to kick us off here cuz the man uh, yours truly uh, Jason Garrett is is making a welcome return to his own corner. He's he's been away for a couple of weeks. He's uh, he's been away for he's actually made some decent decisions, but he's he's made some absolute howlers uh, in this one. Uh, 24 first off towards the end of the game 24-0 down inside deep inside the fourth quarter and he still sends out the starters uh, not the really what you want to be doing when you're kind of preparing yourself for for a playoff run uh, he was one out of five on fourth downs uh, and also the, the cherry on top was um, the timeout in the first I think in the first quarter where the Colts had first and goal from the half yard line and he took a timeout I mean it's first and goal from the half yard line what is a timeout going to do? To to prevent them scoring a scoring a, t- a touchdown, they're pretty much just going to run it in anyway because Marlon Mack was it, it ran ran wild, but yeah, was just uh, was Jason Garrett esque. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to say he returns to his to his own corner. Uh, although to, to say give him a bit of credit, some of the some of the play calling was actually all right. The Olawali play, which I mentioned, uh, that should have been a touchdown. Maybe maybe they would change the course of events in that game. But yeah, a couple of questionable calls there from from Jason Garrett. So um, welcome return for him, Lee. Who have you gone for this week? So, um, not for any one particular decision or call or anything like that, but my Jason Gatt corner is Doug Marone, um, from the Jaguars, just simply because couldn't beat the Redskins. They, they don't have a team. They're all injured. Uh, I just think he's completely lost the locker room, and I think uh, Black Monday will be, he'll be expecting his pink slip from the Jaguars hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, certainly it was. That was one of the, I know. I know Jacksonville have, have have not done great this season, but that was a, a slightly surprising result there. Uh, the, the the field goal as time expires there. Richard, any 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 funny coaching decisions you've uh, you've seen this weekend? Um, you guys keep stealing, but um, 49ers, again, there's just you know, don't win that game. Don't be stupid. So I'd say that that was poor coaching, really. Um, he you, you can't obviously tell teams uh, your team to throw the game, but no maybe put them in a position to lose if that makes sense yeah um yeah that would be my nomination hmm. yeah not bad at all I, I think I, I saw another podcast i listened to um saying that there was some there was some questionable coaching in the cleveland and the denver games about some field goals or, or something like that so i need to go back and have a look at that maybe i'll touch on that on thursday's episode but since though we are approaching 80 minutes i suppose we better get out of here and uh, do something with the rest of our evenings richard really appreciate you coming on my friend uh, taking the quiz on and uh, covering some games uh, for us in week 15 no worries uh it's always a pleasure to be to be on so yeah um maybe maybe i'll hit you up during uh, kind of draft season yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly get you back on and to talk to talk drafting. Oh my god, it's, it's it's so close already, isn't it? It's only a couple of months away. It's crazy. Uh, week fifteen, my word. Um, yeah, it just seems like yesterday I was bet I was betting on I was betting loads of money on the on the draft. But um, yeah, there we go. Can do it all again in a couple of months' time. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, Lee, we'll, we'll speak to you on Thursday. We've got a couple of good guests this week. We've got Roger coming back on as well. Um, so we might have a, might have two episodes uh, towards the end of the week there to just before Christmas, maybe an extra Christmas present there for for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, Christmas bonus. Yeah, thanks to Richard for coming on. Um, just echo your sentiments, really. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, great guest. Mm. Good to see you. Yeah. Good news. 
No worries. If you've got a fantasy question, then feel free to reach out. Yeah, and yeah, don't forget to check out his work at uh, Roto Baller as well. Um, have you have you got a, a special URL link there, uh, Richard, for your for your work, or is it just through the Roto Baller website? Uh, yeah, you can. I've got a link on my um, Twitter bio, so yeah, it's got a link to all of my like articles. So Perfect. yeah, if you're ever short of a read, just give just. Uh, Give that a click. Yeah, at, uh, at RichKingFF as well. If you want to go and check that out, I'd very much recommend you do so. So that's going to do it for this episode of the 410 Yards podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to re- to preview all of the uh, Week 16 games, your Fantasy Championship weeks, uh, obviously, coming up as well. So thank you all for listening. So it's goodbye from Lee. Yeah, goodbye, everyone. Uh, speak to you later on the week for that episode. Uh, thank you. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you in a couple of days. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.